0: Welcome back to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Liam. And I'm Ollie. And for those of you that don't know, or for any new listeners, each episode we take a topic that we know very little about and we give ourselves a week to read and research all about it. The idea is we share what we feel is the most important pieces of information with you. Yeah,
1: we're not experts in anything that we talk about in this pod, though. Little disclaimer, this is just a summary of our findings. Um, but hopefully by sharing just a little bit of the knowledge we've learned, we can all learn a little
0: bit more about a whole lot of things. I like it. Let's get on with this week's topic, which is the Ollie's Choice for this series. This week, we're going to be learning about televisions.
1: Okay, Ollie, televisions this week—not television as in programs and things. We mean televisions as in the little black box or the big black box that everybody's got in their rooms, I imagine. Uh, so you picked televisions.
0: Why? <laughs> yeah, my choice. Ollie's choice for the series. It's one of those things where if you stare at it for quite a lot during a week. You know, people know what it is, but where did it come from? How does it work? um how have they changed over the years all of that type of stuff i just thought it'd be quite interesting for us to jump into and learn a little bit more about yeah i completely agree good choice one of those things
1: yeah like you said it's from it's the point of the pod it's one of those things like we did pizza last week for me i mean on tv like just two things that I see them every single day well maybe not pizza <laughs> but but like, i don't think i know anything about it so why wouldn't i just learn about it for a bit yeah,
0: um definitely
1: uh, turns out, I mean, it is pretty complicated, isn't it? Though, I mean, we'll try it in a bit, but how it
0: works is a bit mind-boggling. It is, yeah, it is mind-boggling how it actually works. But I think as a topic and learning about them, like super interesting. We've learned so much this week that I had no idea about before we actually started having this as a topic. And when you think about it, TVs—they've been around for for decades now, and they play a big part in everyday life for lots of people you know you you get entertained by them they can educate you just general information that's shared around the world you know it's something that is just part of everyday everyday life now really isn't it is it the most important invention that's ever been
1: and or the most used invention like maybe not important but is it the thing that's been invented that's been used the most yeah
0: quite possibly some um, some stats out there that I'm sure we'll come on to about how much TV is actually watched, um, the amount of hours per day and what have you. But yeah, it's it's definitely yeah ubiquitous around maybe, the world.
1: Maybe we should look into that for um, our wrap-up episode in a couple of weeks. But yeah, certainly. It'd be certainly interesting to find out the amount of time spent on, a, on something. Is a TV the
0: <laughs> highest thing in the world? <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. And it came from... As we'll get onto it quite humble beginnings so you know they've, they've gone from being silent and just black and white programs right through to today where we've got the the super high definition of color tvs with all your, your streaming services that then come through to them now as well so there's there's some good history for us to get our, our teeth into and, and learn a little bit more about them have you got an actual definition you want to share
1: yeah you go onto to miriam webster's is that person. It's like the Oxford English Dictionary. Is Merriam-Webster like an American one? I don't really know. <laughs> I think so. Anyway, okay, well, the, definite, the official definition of a TV. An electronic system of transmitting images with sound over a wire or through space by devices that change light and sound into electrical waves and then change these back into light and sound.
0: Yeah, okay. Light and sound gets sent yeah. out somehow and then your TV then takes that light and sound and shows it on the screen. Yeah that yeah
1: yeah yeah I mean what is it it's that black thing most for most of us that sits where all our are... what's that joke Joey says in Friends like someone hasn't got a TV and he says well what's all your furniture point at <laughs> yeah like,
0: yeah isn't that exactly. true though that's so yeah. true.
1: It's true yeah. now when that was like 20 years ago. Like
0: well even even now just with having um two little children that it blows their mind to then think that you can't, you used to not be able to get stuff on demand. That if you wanted to watch children's shows, you had to wait until four o'clock in the afternoon before you could then watch a children's show. Whereas now, just like Netflix, Disney Plus, super easy.
1: Yeah. I remember having a TV in my mum's house in the kitchen that had a twizzly knob thing on it. It was black and white. And I don't know where that, that that, that must've been in like the early nineties, but that telly must've probably been from like the seventies or something. But yeah, it was black and white. You had to twist it. You had to twist this little knob thing round, find the channel, and then just keep twisting to find the next channel of like the four channels that there were.
0: Yeah, and that was it. There were only four channels, weren't there? Going back to when we were younger, there's yeah hundreds now, hundreds and hundreds. But the the whole idea came about of, of wanting to try and transmit a signal from somewhere to somewhere else. And I quite like just having a little look about what the name meant as well, which television. I quite like it, like where it came from, a little bit of mixture of Greek and Latin in there, wasn't it? Yeah, tele
1: comes from the Greek word for far, or or far sight, or to see a long way away, or from afar. And then the vision, or the visio, is the Latin word for to see. So it's like, from far away to be able to see something. You know I mean, like imagine like <laughs> yeah. I'm here, but you're there, and I'm able to see what's where you are, like that sort of thing. Like, like seeing from a distance. Yeah, that sort of, yeah.
0: Sort of, thing. Yeah. Tight Pretty thing. cool, isn't it? And people had so, uh, speculated about doing it for a little while, hadn't they? I mean, they they've been, I don't know, it's it's one of those things the television, when I got into it this week, trying to think, right, who invented it then? That seems like a, a nice, a nice, simple question to answer, but it turns out like with a lot of inventions that are out there, the television development just depended on lots of previous inventions along the way. And lots of people have contributed to the development of the television as we know it today. So it wasn't just like all of a sudden the television appeared, was there?
1: No, a bit like when we were talking about pizza last week, it does depend on what you define as a television as well. I think some people will have different like, well, at what point does it become a TV? Because obviously it's probably based on a lot of other stuff. Go right back guy invented the morse code samuel morse developed the telegraph and then in the 1876 guy called alexander graham bell invented the telephone telephone yeah and then so alexander graham bell and thomas edison were both speculating then well they were they were sort of like can we we can send sound we've got radio we can send sound and we can have phone calls and things would can we send a picture Mm. Like, is it possible to get a picture to travel, and and if so, how would it then be re? What would the word be like? Reconstituted? How would it be like, built again?
0: Reassembled, yeah.
1: Reassembled, yeah. How do you get a picture to turn into a radio wave to then send that across? um But yeah, that's in like eighteen eighty something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then we've got a guy who's then moving it into more around a visual, a visual element. This guy in eighteen eighty four called Paul Nipkov in Germany. And he was the person who developed something called yep. a mechanical television. So again, this is the very, very early stages. It only had 18 lines worth of um, resolution on it. And it was just this early concept of being able to relay images and getting it to, to display on, on a screen. But we're, we're talking about it's it's black and white and it's pretty much just static that's coming up on there there's there's no actual picture
1: yeah 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 have you, have you watched any videos about how that was working with this spinning disc thing and like holes in a disc it is i got no idea i can't explain how it worked like i mean i know it was him and that he was starting it off but it's quite the exact science behind it is a bit hard to fathom if i'm <laughs> honest
0: yeah yeah the mechanical tv is a yeah one to get your um, head around. So-
1: so he, he sort of had this idea to, to, yeah, like you're saying, like very early in the late eight, late 1800s. But then in 1922, a guy called Charles Jenkins sent the first a, a picture over radio waves for the first time. It wasn't a TV. It wasn't moving. But a picture went from one place to another place. And uh, he's credited with doing that. But again, it, is that a TV at that point or not?
0: Yeah, not not quite, maybe. Again, they've got another layer on top of this. It would be a name that some people might have heard about a Scottish inventor called John Logie Bear in 1926. And he was the first person to then demonstrate live a TV happening and sending a signal that was then actually showing proper images on this TV at the time. So being able to send these signals and actually see what you know, might constitute what a TV might be today. But again, it's this is mechanical TV.
1: Called it a televisor, tele- televisor, didn't he? And um, I read a, a quote, I, I think this was from, I think it was from a newspaper. Like he went to like a newspaper printing and he was trying to show it off to people. And then I think the chief said something like, so this was the quote, for God's sake, go down to reception and get rid of that lunatic who's down there. He says he's got a machine for seeing by wireless watch him he may have a razor on him as well like, they just, like <laughs> nobody believed him like look i can i can i can get this picture from here to there like wirelessly and i just wasn't necessarily believed but then you jump one more year 1927 this is where this guy is widely considered probably the inventor of a tv as we consider it because these ones before like we we're saying they were mechanical they they weren't really like what they look like nowadays they didn't really work the same way Uh, But a guy called Philo Farnsworth was an American inventor who in about 1927 patented and developed a fully electronic television system.
0: The interesting thing I was reading about Farnsworth was that he grew up on a farm and he didn't have any electricity on his farm. But when he was 14 years old, he'd been watching his dad plowing the fields in a tractor. And he started to think about, how could you get a picture to go on a screen, line by line, almost like what my dad's doing, like um, plowing these fields to get a picture yeah. to come up on a screen? I don't know how or why a 14-year-old who lives on a farm with no electricity would even comprehend thinking of that as an idea, but he did, apparently. And when he was 21 years old, so only seven years later, he actually managed to to um, present a TV and demonstrate it to people. That, it's uh, uh, crazy, isn't it?
1: It's just crazy. Like, there are people around the world doing things like that. There are people doing it now, aren't they? Like, coming up <laughs> with just stuff you don't even know. It's not even a thing. Like, how do you come up with something brand new?
0: And then uh, similarly to, um, to what you said that Logie Bear got um, some people poo his idea, what, he, what Farnsworth decided to transmit was a dollar sign so he, he transmitted okay. it from a few hundred miles across America to show that this was working. And the reason that he did a dollar sign is because somebody um, was challenging him, saying, when are you actually going to see some dollars from this thing, Farnsworth? Um, but he thought, right, I'll show you. and I'll actually transmit a dollar. Wow. That's cool.
1: So that's the first electronic TV. And from then on, like it's sort of just like the technology hasn't, really changed massively obviously we've got slightly fancier TVs but generally speaking they all do work in just about the same way um, but the, yeah these TVs to begin with were pretty big weren't they with tiny screens
0: they were enormous so like the, the size of refrigerators in terms of the box that you were dealing yeah. with but then the yeah. screen I was reading was about the size of a postage stamp or not too much bigger than a postage stamp so yeah I don't know what you'd be really be watching on uh, on that, but who knows? Yeah, so they they slowly
1: they slowly got smaller. Um, no, sorry, I mean the box got smaller. The screen started to get bigger, didn't they? Sort of. The BBC started broadcasting towards the end of the nineteen twenties, early nineteen thirties. I think they were just broadcasting their news, weren't they? Because obviously they were they were over the radio. They were this is the three o'clock news. You know, they'd have been pr- presenting that every day. Then they started just going live, uh, but not many people would have had a TV at this point, would they?
0: No, not at all. And also it was in 1929 when the BBC started broadcasting it, it then endorsed the way that Farnsworth was using the TV. So it then like got behind that as a technology, which is why we have then still got that as the basis of the technology of how TVs work today. Um, it's a bit of a funny thing that I, I don't think any other countries really have this, but we've got the the TV license in the UK as well, haven't we? Yeah, uh, we need to pay an annual fee to to have access to watching terrestrial TV,
1: which is crazy because you only pay, you're only paying you only paying for like two channels, and then all the rest are like they've got adverts anyway. So, but yeah, we have to pay what is about 100 and not in the UK anymore. Don't have to pay that in Dubai. We got no such thing. <laughs> Having said that, I haven't watched any TV like Dubai TV. So I wouldn't have to if I did. Um but like £150, I think it is, isn't it? About $180, yeah. something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um so we had the TVs, the BBC started to show things. By the 40s, they're starting to look a bit more like our like the TVs as we see them. I imagine if you picture a really old TV in your head, it's gonna look like the one from the 40s, isn't it? It's got a screen, it's got the twizzly knobs on it, it's probably it's like made of wood, it's pretty like a cube. Yep. But it does it's starting to look like what a normal TV looks like as far as we're concerned.
0: And those twizzling knobs on the side, what you're talking about, that's how you change the channel. So you used to have to get yeah. up from your sofa, take you know, yeah. a few steps towards it, and then actually turn the turn the channel manually. Um, so yeah, there were different ways of that happening, like with it being like a mechanical clunk and a turn where it then yeah. like flick what the um what the TV was receiving to then get yeah. over to a different transmission
1: until the 1950s when something called the lazy bones came about which was the first remote control was not it what a brilliant That's name for the remote control the lazy bones <laughs> the lazy bones yeah so that came about in the 50s 60s they went color and obviously and then we start at this point it's sort of you know they're getting a bit smaller or well you know The box is getting perhaps a bit smaller, but the screen size might be increasing. You go up to about 1990, and the world crossed over a billion TVs at that point.
0: Wow. You know
1: Went over a billion TVs towards the end of the 90s. Yeah, and um, then we're sort of up to where we were.
0: And then what's happened over the years as well, as technology's improved and the components within them have got smaller, TVs in general the box on them has got smaller as well over uh, over the years but it means that they've become more than accessible as well so to make them as being cheaper and so for the very first tv that was sold was sold for about 100 pounds you know 130 dollars or so which was half the average annual salary in the 1930s okay that is a boatload of money isn't it for you to then be Um, Yeah. yeah, Half, half the average annual salary. And there was, it was called a Marconi 702 and one of them went up for, for auction in 2011 and it ended up selling for tens of thousands. But it was saying that the original owner that bought it, they actually only watched a few hours of TV before the nearby transmitter in London burned down. And it wasn't for another decade in 1946 until they're able to watch a bit more TV again. So they just had this super expensive gadget, just sat there, not been able to watch it. But yeah, so it was it was only accessible by the super rich. And then you saying about how many TVs were then in the world, I was reading that because the price came down, there were about 100,000 TVs a week were being sold in 1949 in America. Um, so yeah, going up to just having possession of TVs went in the 1950s from 10% of people in America to 90% of people within 10 years.
1: Yeah, well, that's sort of the history of the TV, isn't it? Which leads us to the thing that we don't want to talk about, but we have to talk about, okay? Now, we can do this, Ollie, because we've done some quite complicated episodes before. How, in the name of Johnston, does a TV work?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is so complicated. I can't believe somebody got their head around this and actually made it work. It is so complicated isn't it what you've got
1: there Yeah I don't, I've I've watched I, I think this is an episode where I've watched enough videos and read enough stuff in a week I still don't know I I just cannot get my head round but well, I understand the, the the idea is okay at its most simplest a, a picture is broken down into like digital information that digital information is sent over some wires or cable or digital or via a satellite. It doesn't really matter how it gets to your TV. The digital signal comes back to your TV and your TV reassembles the picture from yeah. one place in another place. Yeah. And then essentially that picture becomes like a video because a video is just loads of pictures and it codes it all. It works out what, what color is in, in, in which part of the screen. And then it turns it into like a zero and a one or something. And it gets sent down and reassembled in the TV. How, but, How do they do that in the, how does it get broken down? I don't understand how a picture can turn it. How can something look at something and then turn it into a a TV signal?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the technology bit behind it, isn't it? But we're saying televisions, they, they, they do rely three things there that you've been speaking about. So the camera in the first place that turns the picture into, you know, a sound and and visual signal, the transmitter that sends that signal through the air or, it used to be through the air, like analog TVs, but now you've got digital ones or cable or satellite, as you were saying. And yep. then, yeah, how the TV then receives it and reassembles that information. But an important thing about the reason why TV can exist in the first place is how our brains work as well and about how yep. our brains make sense of the world in the first place. Because you mentioned it there that TVs, they're just showing a picture, aren't they? But what's, but what's happening is you've got lots of pictures being shown very, very quickly to you and your brain then is tricked into thinking that it's a moving object. Whereas it's not, it's just lots of still pictures, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Video. Yeah. Like a flick book we said in the week, didn't we? How do you explain that bit? It's like a flick book. Your TV is just showing you loads of pictures really quickly and your brain, our brains are clever enough to make them into a smooth video. But when we say quick, we mean, most TVs nowadays do it 60 times a second. So every 60 times in a second, your screen will refresh and it will just generate a new picture. But it is so fast, you can't see it happening. And your yeah. brain just sees that as a lovely, smooth thing.
0: Well, when you're saying like our brains are like clever enough to do it, it's just our brains, we've got a refresh rate on our brains of about 15 times a second. So if we see anything over 15 times a second, it looks smooth. Okay. So that would be, yeah, your TV looking smooth. If you're saying, what was it, 60 times a second TVs refresh or up to 120, but generally it's 60 times. But if you were to start to see something refreshing less than 15 times a second, it could start to look a bit jerky or a bit clunky.
1: Yeah. And... And the second thing our brain's good at, another reason why this works, is our brain's ability to to look at a bunch of little (laughs) squares, Right, we'll call them, you know, the the little bits on TV are called a pixel, the tiny little squares. If you go real close, it's called a pixel. Now, our brain's really good at blending them and turning them into a picture. Even though really, they're like little squares, aren't they? But obviously TV's got so many of them. Of course, it looks smooth. But originally a TV didn't quite have so many pixels and it was a bit more like a bunch of little squares, but our brain is quite good at going, oh, that's a lovely curved face there, even though it's not because it's all made out of little squares.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It's one of those things where if you sometimes see a pixelated picture, you need to step away from it. You need to go step a few meters back and then you're like, ah, yeah, that sort of resembles, yeah, I can see what that is now. If if you get too close to it, it just looks like a bit of a blurred mess. So yeah, that's one of the things that, that our brains are also then good at doing.
1: Yeah, so so the TV signal then it comes through. Well, we we both watched a really good YouTube video by a, a group called the Slow Mo Guys.
0: Oh yeah, haven't watched yeah.
1: It, they've got a really good video about how fast a TV will refresh itself and like re put a new picture up on the screen. And they watch it in like a super, super slow-mo camera, don't they? Yes. And essentially what's happening is your your TV has taken this, this information that's been sent to it of a picture. Or loads of pictures okay remember imagine a video is just loads of pictures and then it puts it onto your screen but it, then it puts it onto your screen starting in the top left corner one pixel at a time all the way along and then the next line all the way along and the next line all the way along all the way down your screen until it makes a picture but then it does that 60 times a second
0: yes yeah it's mental and that's, I know we're talking about TVs, but that's for any device that you're looking at. So if you're looking yeah. at, you know, iPhone or Kindle or whatever tablet it might be, the refresh rate that we're talking about, that's 60 times a second to then make it look smooth. As Liam said, it's appearing top left, one line at a time from left to right, going all the way down your screen, refreshing 60 times.
1: Yeah. Every and- pixel. Now we'll talk about it in just a second. Like, Pixels have got lit. Uh, TVs have got literally millions of pixels. Literally
0: millions. Well, they they do nowadays, but they they never used to. So they, they used to. The old school TVs we're talking about, they were they are a mechanical TV. But we'll we'll go on to the ones that are more like modern day TVs. They had something called a cathode ray tube in them. Okay. Um. What this would do is, this was the the interesting bit of kit really that then made sure that it could then take the signal that had been sent by the transmitters and then reassemble it. And these are, these are super complicated, super, super complicated in my head. But what they do is they then they break down the signal. They receive the signal that comes in and it then can identify what is the audio signal and what's the video components that's been sent. The audio part, it feeds into the audio circuit of a TV and then that comes out but then at the same time, the video part of the signal is sent, sent to a separate part of the, the TV, a separate circuit. And what's then happening is this cathode ray tube, it's firing beams of electrons, super, super fast electrons down this tube. And as the, the electrons fly down, it then they then get steered by electromagnets that's within them. And that is what's then scanning it and like painting it onto a TV back and forth across the TV. And again, happening super, super quick. It's like an invisible paintbrush that's going across your screen, going through this cathode ray tube. Um, yeah. And it's moving so quickly that, that you can't see it at all coming up, which is yeah pretty nuts. And then the, the technology then swapped from being this cathode ray tube and it moved to LCD. And I, I'd even forgotten what LCD stood for.
1: Liquid crystal display.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so this, these liquid crystal displays, they then moved to the where, as, it's, as it states, there's liquid that's held in tiny, tiny elements um, across your TV screen. And then depending on how the, the currents and the electricity was passing through that screen, it would then cause different parts of it to move around and to light up to either block light or not let light through in certain parts of the picture. I don't know how well I've done to explain that, but it's well, it's flipping complicated. But yeah, I'll hand the baton over to you. You can then let us know. So what do we then get after we've got LCD?
1: So TVs nowadays are LEDs, all right? They're an LED screen or an OLED screen. We'll start with LED. If you look really, really closely at a TV, there are loads of pixels, right? These tiny little squares. Each square is a pixel. Each square is a single LED light. But that light itself is made up of red, green, and blue. Okay. So there's, for example, I'll, I'll talk about it in just a second, but if you have a HD TV, there are 921,000 LED uh, pixels, which means there are 921,000 LEDs on the screen. They've all got a little bit of green, a little bit of blue, a little bit of red. Depending on what color and where on the screen the TV wants to, to illuminate, will depend on which colors of this LED get lit up. So, interestingly, if you light them all up—red, green, and blue—you actually see white because you? You, your your eyes can't decipher a single pixel. It just it just can't do it. So, behind the behind all of these, at the very back of your TV is one, another whole screen of like white light. The whole back of your TV is a white light, and it shines white light through all of these pixels. Um, and then it depends on which color they want to come through, depends on whether they turn on a bit of the green or a bit of the blue or the bit of the red. And you'll they can generate all the different colours like that.
0: And that like what you were saying about the the pixel bit and about how you sort of merge those colors together by having a few of those pixels coming on in one area of the screen in one color and a few areas coming on the other color. As you then step out, it then turns it into that yellowy color or that brown colour, whatever yeah. it is that you then need to see.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. You know, if I want to see a a football team wearing a purple top or something, then that bit of the screen, all of those thousands of LEDs that cover where it would be, they'd light up red and blue. And then this white light would shine through the red and the blue, and then it would look purple to our eyes. Yep. Um, The problem with this, though, problem with LEDs is when you want it to go black, all the LEDs turn off. But because this massive white light is on in the background, it sort of bleeds through and you don't get really clear blacks, which you, in your head, you'll be like, of course you do. My TV goes black. When I see the credits of a film, it's perfectly black in the background. But it isn't. And that's where an OLED screen comes in. OLED means organic light emitting diode. And what that means is each LED itself has its own light. It doesn't need this massive white light in the background to shine on all of them. They can all light themselves up individually, one at a time. Which means when you want it to go black, they just all turn off and there's no light anywhere. And if you haven't seen an O L E D TV go black, it's nuts.
0: <laughs> That's yeah. That, so you can when you buy TVs, it gives you their blackness rating, doesn't it? About how black can the screen actually go. Um so I wonder, yeah, now if you and I are looking for a new TV in the future, we'll know a little bit more about what it is we're buying.
1: Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But
0: but on on you talking about the the pixels and then saying that these OLEDs, they're individually lit. It's a bit hard to get your head around that each pixel is an OLED and they each individually light up. But on the screen, you've got millions of pixels.
1: Literally millions. So let's go like the the best TV you can realistically buy right now is called a 4K TV, right? Which is ultra high definition. It's called a 4K television because it's got approximately 4,000 pixels horizontally. I thought that was quite interesting to find out. That is 4, 000, it's 3,840 pixels running across your screen and 2,160 running down. That's a standard amount, and that doesn't change. So if you have a bigger telly or a smaller telly, it still has that many pixels.
0: Well, that, that's now, a bit of the mind-blowing bit. And I, I really like that because I, I don't know. I might have just assumed that a 4K TV had 4,000 pixels on the screen in total no. but it's not that no. you're saying yeah it's four thousand across
1: yeah and just it- about four thousand across about two thousand down that's eight million pixels eight million individual led lights yeah or leds on a screen eight million and all of them have got this little red green blue option or every single one of them
0: what how is that possible and so it's um, receiving a signal from the transmitter, and then 60 times a second, telling yeah. all of those 8 million pixels which color they should actually be. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And just yeah, there is an 8K TV. That's like the latest thing. 8K means to have 8,000 pixels horizontally, 4,000 down, which means 33 million pixels. Is an eight K TV. <laughs> Obviously, we, we you know talking about these pixels. We were saying like your eyes can take a picture, like a square blurry thing, a blurry square picture, and can put them back into a picture. There's that many. Pic- the more pictures there are, the smoother the picture looks. So to yes. have thirty three million of them is going to be a pretty smooth picture.
0: And things like PlayStation and Xbox, they're saying that they will, at some point, be able to transmit. They will you will be able to play in eight K gameplay, aren't they?
1: Yeah, but there's not a lot out there that is eight K. It's just it's just the next thing. And I was reading, should I buy one? It was like, not really. There's not really any point at this point. Like, get yourself a four K TV if you can afford one. That's about as good as you need.
0: You know? yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. these screens, these screens have got some serious tech in them. They've moved a long, long way from what was originally created, and. It's so important, these screens, and we were saying about all these millions and millions of OLEDs that are in them. I quite like looking into something with them this week called the mother glass.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What, What do we think the mother glass is then? Should we let everybody try and think just for 30 seconds? What do you think the mother glass is? So, There's a factory. It produces something called mother glass. And
0: all TVs need it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's yeah brilliant it's, it's basically just a really big bit of glass that they then chop up to then fit into the size tv that they want it to fit into
1: yeah the very front of your tv being that little really super thin glass piece obviously it's more efficient for a factory to just build a jumbo piece of glass in one go and then cut that into tv screen size pieces uh, yeah, the, it's called the mother glass because it literally it gives birth to screens, doesn't it? So they make yes. a huge sheet, the biggest. So the mother glass is made. It's as big as it can. It's as big as it can be whilst holding its own weight without smashing. Yeah, like because they want it to be really thin, obviously. But obviously, if they make it too big, it will just break because it's too heavy. They can get them to about three meters by three meters at this point. That's about as big as they are getting. Um, and yeah, and then they do, basically they then cut that into a bunch of 64-inch TVs, 32-inch TV, whatever, whatever screen they need.
0: And then in these, these factories where they're making them, they've got to make sure that they're super, super clean. So if you yeah. ended up, you know, if you ever had a, a dead pixel in one of your TVs where you've just got a dot in the screen that just is sat there, it's so, so annoying, isn't it? So you need to make sure that no dust or any dirt or anything is then getting into these factories where they're, they're making this mother glass and I was having a little read around about how clean that they actually need to be, which
1: super clean, I'd imagine, super
0: clean. yeah, I quite like this. I'll just tell you a little bit about it. So they're saying that the the like humans, like dead skin cells or smoke particles or um you know makeup, whatever it might be, if there's any particles that could get into the air, it could then ruin the TV screen that you've got there. And so you've got these, the factories where people are going around in hazmat suits. So it's super, super clean. And apparently rooms, they're on a rating of, there's a clean room rating scale, which is measured about the number of particles in the air per cubic meter. So class 100 clean room, it's got less than 100 particles that are less than 0.3 microns in size. So we're talking like minuscule, 0.3 microns. And super, less super tiny. There's less than hundred of them in a hundred clean room. The factories where they make the screens, they've got to be of a clean room ten standard. So they've got to have ten or less particles per cubic meter.
1: So you're talking like like as clean as where you'd go and do like brain surgery, like stuff like that, isn't it? It's like yeah hyper clean like ridiculous but they didn't get covid
0: no i got no idea how they're actually measuring it and then it the person who wrote this article they they compared it to harvard so i guess they must have something to do with harvard university and but they were saying so in comparison the air in the the harvard square at at the campus has approximately 8 million particles per cubic metre.
1: Yeah, and they've got 10 or 100.
0: Yeah, so they've got 10 in the in the super clean room compared to just normal air that's got 8 million. Wow. Just a bit mind-blowing that, I thought. Hey, that's
1: what we're all about. It's not all about... Well, I mean, we tried to explain how TV's worked, but,
0: you know, we can talk about a bit more than that. <laughs> <laughs> the future of TV's coming along pretty fast as well, isn't it? And in terms of like, how... TV companies are going to make their money is switching.
1: Yeah. Well, actual streaming, isn't it? Not less so. Um, do you read about the, the companies make more money off of advertising on their TV than they do from selling their TV?
0: Yeah, that's the, the smart TVs. So smart well, yeah, TV but- makers are going to make more money selling our viewing habits and the data that we provide them rather than them actually selling the TV to you in the first place. Yeah, so I've got a TV next to me,
1: right? Right now, I've got the remote in my hand. I'm showing showing the remote to the microphone. I've got the remote in my hand. Uh, Smart TVs, you'll you know have a look down the bottom in the bottom. I've got a button for Netflix and a button for YouTube and a button for Prime Video, a button for something called OSN screen sharing VIP. Like these are obviously like UAE ones, but the point being, obviously those companies pay Toshiba to put them on their remote controls and put them in their smart TVs. So they make more money from doing this than they do selling the TV in the first place.
0: And then if you then signed up to Netflix from clicking on your TV button there, they would then get a referral fee from it as well. So it was quite interesting. There there was a company um, called Vizio in America that was then going to file, to go public, to go through, um, to turn from a private company to a public company. And they released some of their financials and their earnings reports and it turned out that yeah selling tvs it seems like tvs can get sold at the cost it is to make them because they'll be so confident that they can generate a whole load more money in terms of selling on your data and quite often now on streaming services like more for Or the ITV one in the UK, you'll then get adverts that then come up, and they'll be based on your your preferences and what you like, and what they think they can then sell to you. Yeah, which is what Amazon are going to be doing as well, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I read a pro um, something. There's an Amazon program I haven't watched it called Making the Cut, and what they had is they'd have designers. It was a fashion competition, but what they would do is uh, as the program finished. They would then advertise live that you could buy the creations right now. There's going to be something, it's called, TV is going to be something called shoppable. So we might be watching TV and, you know, everything's connected anyway on our phone while we're watching Netflix. They walk into a bar and buy a beer. Suddenly I get an advert for, do you want to go and get a crate of these beers or yeah. whatever? Or, you know, do you know what I mean? You're watching something and they order a pizza and then suddenly I get an advert for Domino's coming up on my phone. Pizza right now? It can be there by the end of the adverts or, you know, that sort of thing. So it's just, it's just, Making it so we buy stuff, I guess, which is not going to be fun.
0: Which is where the TV manufacturers will then be making, you know, a little bit of a cut out of doing that. So yeah, really interesting.
1: Yeah, I read about the thinnest TV as well. Obviously, they're going to change like the TVs themselves. Samsung currently have got a TV that is only eleven millimeters thick. That's like a centimeter. That's probably less than your thumb width. Wow, that's mental. But one thing with obviously as they make tellys thinner and thinner and thinner they then need there's no space for speakers or hdmi ports or anything like that so what they've all got is they end up with like it's almost like a sound bar so you mount this on the wall and it looks incredible but then you've got to run a wire to it or it's got to somehow be connected to this other unit that has to sit somewhere else that has all your ports on it and yeah. and you know stuff like that so yeah um, i mean it's all right getting really thin but it's not i don't know is it, is how it, is practical. It, is yeah, practical
0: yeah how yeah yeah practical, practical that's the right word there's um there were a couple of uh, funny little bits of trivia that I saw this week saying that there's been something called the CSI effect in uh, in, okay. in the in the judicial world I guess in where it is that jurors they've got an unrealistic expectation about how good um forensic science is because they watch yeah. stuff and uh, I watch crime dramas on TV and they think that it should be a lot better than than what it actually yeah. is that's so quite funny they yeah. get frustrated with that and then another one about the the guy who we were saying who was credited with inventing the TV we know today, Philo Farnsworth. He wouldn't actually let his children watch TV, so he said to them nah. that there's nothing on it worthwhile, and you're not going to watch it in this household, and I don't want it as part of your intellectual diet. Hmm. Did he, he sound really it?
1: British like that? Is that how he <laughs> sounded? Super British.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> no. no, no, um. No.
1: Have you got, like, one one fact for takeaway, though? Because we're approaching the end at this point, I think. I'm not sure if it's the same as yours, is it? Well, we do that occasionally. Mine's the one about dreaming. Is that yours?
0: Yeah, same here, same here. Yeah, I read
1: this. Apparently, people who grew up with black and white TVs often dream in black and white. That's, that's the fact. Like, what? That's, I mean, surely their life is in colour, isn't it? Like, <laughs> they spend their whole lives in black and white. But obviously they're going to know that's true because they must have asked people. But apparently, yeah, If you grew up with black and white
0: TV. You often dream in black and white. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A, yeah, big old study that happened in 2008 that, yeah, people over 50 years old often dreamt, well, they dreamt in black and white. It's weird, isn't it, compared to everyone else who dreams in colour.
1: Right. Do you think you've learned about TVs, yeah, I?
0: Yeah, I have. Still a bit mind boggling if anyone wants to set us straight <laughs> on how they actually work. But I love reading about who invented them or who's credited with inventing them, how they've changed over the years and just some of that future stuff. i um, yeah. get interested to see uh, how that comes about.
1: Yeah, I I'm, I'm, I'm really watched that slow-mo video though. I think maybe we should put a link to it because I thought that was so interesting how a TV refreshes and just quite how fast it's going. When we say 60 times a second, your whole screen pixel by pixel and there's 8 million pixels, like just how rapid is that? That is seriously quick. So um, but we we uh, do have an announcement though, don't we? Because that's my episode and your episode covered. It's now time to uh, get to Series Seven's listener choice.
0: Yes. So we put out the vote and drum roll. The topic that won the listener choice vote on our Instagram. Ding was gas. Do they mean petrol? no i actually double checked so uh, yeah thank you very much so this was from shimanski one Shimansky? shimanski one on instagram there's a guy called mark and mark said uh, no he means that about natural gas is what he's talking about so natural gas he's interested like in how it's made how it's used around the okay. world just different things so that's the topic that we'll be getting into for next week
1: right gas it is kaboom
0: (laughs) here we go then so thank you very much for listening to this week's topic everybody we hope you've learned a little bit more about tv and that thing that so many of us spend a, a long time watching if you want to get involved or make any more topic suggestions please do so on our socials at two guys one topic which is on instagram twitter and facebook we'll be back with you next week with the topic of gas but until then
1: Get out there and share some TV televisions knowledge.